Good morning, everyone. I don't know about you, but silence makes me incredibly uncomfortable, especially when you're waiting for a response. Think about certain statements that you've made to somebody over your life, or, or maybe individuals who have been in a situation where a response was expected, and the response is nothing more than silence. For instance, I love you. Or, did you commit the crime? Or how about this one? Your spouse turns to you and says, do I look fat? You see, in those moments, people are expecting a response. And sometimes the silence can be l the loudest statement we make. Silence emphasizes words that we may not want to say audibly or some communication element that we want to convey to the other person without saying the words. When God goes silent, we can sometimes miss what he's trying to say to us. David understood this in Psalm chapter 13. If you want to look at the screen or open your Bibles, we're going to look through Psalm chapter 13 today. How long, Lord, will you forget, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me. And answer, my Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will see death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. David's going through an incredibly bad situation and he feels the silence of God. Most people that I talk to have experienced a season like this. It's like all hell is breaking loose in our lives and we're calling out to God, expecting him to respond to us and all we get is the silence. But as we go through Psalm chapter 13 and this, this psalm that comes from the heart of David, we will see how we are to respond to God's silence, what we are to do when God is saying nothing to us. The first thing I think we see in this passage is that we are to live patiently. Four times, David says, how long? He starts off and he says, how long, Lord? And then he says, how long will you hide your face? And then how long will I be in anguish? And then the last time, how long will my enemy win? Four times, David asks God, how long? And this four-time four element speaks of intense emotion. David is desiring God to inform him of the issue of time. He wants to know, God, give me the timeline. And he's not just asking in a nonchalant way. There's an emotional element. There's an intense element that comes from this. God, how long? Give me the timeline. I remember being a kid. And we would go on family vacation somewhere and we, we might be driving two or three hours to a location. And when we got into the car, we would all be nestled in, the, my, my sister and I would be nestled in the back seat. And the first question out of my mind, and I'm sure you can guess it right away, would be, how much longer? And my dad or my mom would give us the timeline. And, and to a kid, we don't understand what two hours is or we don't understand what three hours is. And so we'd start to drive and I'd look out the window or I'd play with whatever toy I'd brought in the back seat. And it would be a very short amount of time and I'd ask again, how much longer? 
And my dad would say, we still have another two hours and 55 minutes over and over and over again. I'm sure you've experienced this if you're a parent. How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? And, and, and for the first little bit, my, my parents were very patient. They, they would give me the timeline. They tried to explain it to, to me. But there came a moment where I could see the frustration in their life because they wanted me to live contently until I arrived. Friends, I want you to know something. That's what God wants for you. In the seasons of silence, God wants us to live contently until we arrive, until we arrive at the next spot. You see, we, we seem to live our lives uh, thinking that our survival depends on God telling us how long things will last. We, we feel like we can't get to, to a healthy place unless God responds to our questions. But God wants to develop inside of each and every one of us patience. You see, patience is the ability to continue as is until he responds. I, I love this quote by uh, G. Campbell Morgan. He says, waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. Third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. You see, when God is silent, we live patiently by doing these three things. We do the very last thing he asked us to do. Number two is we wait for his next instructions. And lastly, number three, we do nothing more than what he's asked. Friends, when we are impatient and we are constantly wanting to move on, or, or uh, we, we are constantly wanting to move on, we want to go to another place. We, we're so antsy to get to the next spot in these moments when God's not speaking. I remember being a youth pastor, and I, and I had I have told this story to our congregation before about feeling God's d direct call on my life to to be the youth director. This was this was only two years into youth pastoring, and I, and I felt God had called me, but but I was like three years in into this journey and and it was like taking God for so long and I'm asking God God when's this call gonna take place and and he's not responding and I am living impatiently and I want to move on I want to get to the next spot and so I, I often joke with my friend Mark Scar who's the pastor here at Woodvale that that he made the biggest mistake when he didn't hire me as a youth pastor he see what happened is he called me and he said hey would you would you like to be interviewed for for the position of my youth pastor and I knew it was a great church. I knew Mark was a great senior pastor. And, and I was like, yeah, let's do this because I was so frustrated in my current situation. There, there, were, there were so many negative things that were taking place. I loved our congregation. I loved our, our leadership team. But there were just all these undercurrents that were making some difficult moments. And so asking God, which is, had always been my practice, God, do you want me to go? I, I pretty much uh, said a quick prayer, didn't hear anything. I thought, well, I'm just going to move on. I remember I, I took some time off and went down and interviewed with Mark. And I remember being in a Swiss chalet in Bowmanville and, and having this interview. And as we're talking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm blowing this interview. It's like, I, I don't even care. What is wrong with me? I remember driving home and telling my wife that. And so I, I, I don't understand what's, what, what happened there. And then a couple of days later, Mark called me and told me that he was going to go with somebody else. 
In my mind, I thought, what a waste of time. What a waste of energy. But the truth is, is I was trying to move on when God hadn't spoken. I was so impatient because God wasn't speaking that I wanted to move on, even though I knew what the last thing he told me was. Friends, in our times of God's silence, We've got to not be so, so desirous to, to move on, to get to the next spot. We've got to do the last thing that God's told us to do when he's silent. Do the last thing he said. Wait for his next command, but do nothing else except for what he's asked of you. The second thing I think David understands about the silence of God is in those moments where we feel that God is silent, we need to draw close. In verse three, he prays this prayer and it's so fascinating. He says, look on me. Then he says, answer me. And then he says, give light to my eyes. And what that really is talking about is David's looking for clarity in life. He's, he's looking for the, the, the sunrise moment where, where it's like the darkness dispels and all of a sudden God brings clarity to the situation. In this little prayer in verse three, David is pursuing God. I mean, God's been silent, but he desires God's presence. Lord, look on me. Would you answer my prayer? Would you bring clarity to my situations? Friend, in the moments where God is silent, you will either pull away from God or you will draw near to God. Think about this. There are times that you need to call somebody. Maybe it's a situation at work and, and your, your boss says, hey, I need you to call this person. And, and you know this person has an issue with you or you know that every time you get into the conversation with the, the person, things don't go well. So you reluctantly pick up the phone, you dial the number and you wait. Your heart's racing. You're, you're hoping that, that nobody answers. And sure enough, the phone goes to voicemail. You are so relieved because you don't actually want to have a conversation with this person. You leave a voicemail and you have done your job and you are praying that this person will never call you back again. You pull away. You, 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 you pull away from the person because you don't want to be close to that person. You don't want to be in conversation with that person. But there are other people. Maybe, maybe it's your loved one. And you call them and you, you want to talk with them and they don't respond voicemail. And, and, and so you, you're frustrated because you know they're home and so you call again. You call again, you, kept, you keep pressing redial, 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 because redial indicates that that person is valuable. Friends, when God goes silent, he must be so valuable relationally in our life that we keep hitting redial. You see, James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In, in absence, we draw close and he'll show up. We must go after what matters most. You see, when God goes silent, we, we, we don't pull away from him. We, we don't leave a voicemail and say, okay, it's in your court, God. No, we push in. We keep pressing redial, keep pressing redial, keep pressing redial. God, would you look on me? Would you answer my prayer? Would you bring clarity to my life? I long for your presence. Drawing close, though, has very little to do with our geography. And it has everything to do with focus. I don't know about you, but, but I, I love taking pictures with my, my cell phone. And those of you who follow me on social media, you, you know I'm always trying to capture something. And I get made fun of all the time for, for being a selfie king, taking pictures of Ainsley and myself in various locations or, or whatever, just trying to capture the moment. 
There'll be many times where I'll, I'll take a picture of Ainsley and I, or I'll do a selfie of myself somewhere in some location where, where we're on a trip. And, and I'll look at the picture and go, hey, that's a pretty good picture. But I wanna make sure that before I post it, everything is actually pretty good. So what I'll sometimes do, and I know you're gonna think I'm a little vain here, but what I'll sometimes do is I'll take my phone and I'll start to zoom in on my face to make sure that my eye isn't doing something weird or that maybe there's, there's not something left on my face, a little bit of coffee from the morning coffee uh, or, or, or some other aspect that, that, that my hair's not going crazy. I'll zoom in and in that moment, what happens is I'm drawing closer to the part of the picture I wanna see the most. In the zooming in moment, I begin to get focused and I allow everything else to be removed from my sight. So interesting. If I want to zoom in on my face, everything else has got to leave my peripheral. This is what zooming in means with God. You see, drawing close is, is not just getting geographically closer to a God who is omnipresent, but it's actually focusing on him, zooming in on God, that when he's silent, we, get, we start to get more focused on him. And we allow everything else in our life to, to kind of go off to the side, to, to get, come out of our focus. We, we, we get all the distractions and we allow them to zoom out of the picture or get out of the picture. And our zoom is focused in on God. You see, in the silent moments, when we are called to draw close to God. In those moments, it's not about physically putting ourselves near God, but what it is, is it's us getting focused in on Him. It's, it's removing the things that are drawing our attention towards Him. It's pushing those things aside. It's, it's putting away the Netflix. It's, it's putting away conversations with other people. It's pushing in a little bit more and making God the focus of our life. When God goes silent, friends, we've got to push in more. We've got to zoom in more. We, we've got to say, God, I'm not letting you go. I want you to look upon me. I want you to answer me. I want you to bring clarity to my situation. I'm going to zoom the picture so that you are my main focus. Even if I can't hear you, I'm going to keep zooming until I hear your voice. So here's the question I want to ask you today. What are you removing from your picture so that you can get closer to God. What, what are you removing? What, what, what's the, the, those, those things in your life that you sometimes are focused on and you can't see a clear picture of God? What are the things that, that as you zoom into God just need to go out of the picture frame? The things that are preventing you from drawing close to God. When God goes silent, we need to draw close to him. The last thing is this. When God goes silent, we need to anticipate with faith. There, there's quite a change in David's demeanor. I mean, we, we see the beginning where he's like, he's like, God, how long? It's this despair moment. It's this desperation moment. God, I, I, I'm longing for you. And then, and then he starts to draw closer and, and he says, God, would you look at me? And, and God, would you answer me? And God, would you bring clarity in my situation? But in this part of the, this last part of the, the passage, David now trusts in God and he says that he's going to worship him. And the reason why he's going to worship him is because of his goodness and his love. In God's silence, 
He anticip- David anticipates God's involvement in his life. He anticipates it because of who God is, because of what he's done, and because of what he has said. His faith drives his anticipation. His faith in God drives his anticipation. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 states, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. You see, faith holds both hope and assurance despite God's silence. God doesn't need you to speak, it doesn't need to speak to you for you to have faith. But it's in the silence where faith is developed. It's where we anticipate because of who God is. Our hope and our assurance are elevated because we know who he is, we know what he's done, and we know what he said. The great missionary, Dr. Adoniram Judson, who ministered in Burma for many years, found himself in a season of his ministry in a Burmese prison cell. Here he was laying on the floor with a 32-pound chain tied to his body, and, and the other end was tied to a bamboo pole within the prison. He wasn't the only one in this cell. There were other prisoners. And one of them looked at, at Adoniram Judson and could see that despite Judson's prayers that God didn't seem to be answering him. There was this silent season he was in and and this this person asked very sincerely this question, Dr. Judson, what about the prospects of the conversion of the heathen? For Judson's whole ministry was to, to see people come to Christ and I love Judson's response. He says these words, the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. The prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. You see, friends, Judson had a faith in God. He anticipated. He anticipated with faith because he knew who God was. He, he knew what God had said and he knew what God had done. And when, when God, even when God is silent and you are in your prison cells and you wonder where he's at, there's got to be this focus on who he is that drives us with anticipatory faith. In silence, we can't listen to the enemy who will always tell us that things will end for the bad. Friends, I want to tell you that the enemy is constantly trying to convince you that in your prison cell moments when God is silent, that God is no longer with you. He is constantly lying to you. He is constantly trying to convince you of things that are completely untrue. We must be driven by faith in anticipation of a better future. I love the story of the, the, the father and son who, who, during the blitz of World War II, found themselves running from their house as a bomb had come crashing down and exploded in their home, sending the entire house into smoke and flames. It was obviously nighttime, and, and the father and son were running from, from the, this, the potential of the house exploding and, and, and all the fire and all the, the, the danger of the situation. And, and they began to run in the dark, and as the father held the son's hand, he, he, he let go for a moment, and he saw ahead this, little, this crater, this huge crater in the ground that had been created from a bomb. And the father, with a leap of faith, jumped into the, this hole so that he could be safe from the attacks of the enemy, from the Germans. As he jumped down into this pit, he, he realized that his son needed to get down and he called out into the darkness. He said, son, come on, jump down, jump down with me. This is the safe spot. His son, in complete darkness and afraid, looked, said to his dad, but dad, I can't see you. As the father 
looked up. And he could see the bombs and the fire in the background and just the silhouette of his son. He said the most profound words. He says, but son, I can see you. And friends, this is so important. Faith, faith understands that even when we can't hear God, he can hear us. We, we don't step out because we hear him. We don't step out because we see him. We step out because we know he hears us. I think about the Israelites stuck in Egypt for four, over 400 years. And, and, and the, the Bible tells us that for the, all those years, they never heard God, but God heard them. And he was planning a plan. He was putting together a plan that would set them free, that would bring them into the promised land. They didn't hear God, but they, they had anticipation because God heard them. In the moments when God is silent, my friends, you need to grab hold of faith. You need to grab hold of anticipation and believe that God is going to do something incredible in the next season. I was reading this week about a, a teacher named Kathleen Norris, and, and she talked about how she allowed her young students to, to have many noisy moments. You know, there, I had teachers over my, the years of my life who, as soon as you start to talk, the teacher would just shut it down. There, there, I mean, it was, it was like you were in, in a, a military school. You had to be proper and you had to sit still and you had to be quiet. And, and I had teachers like that. But this teacher, Kathleen Norris, said, you know, she allows her students to make all kinds of noise. She, she allows them to just be kids and, and to have fun moments and to be loud and, and, and just, just to create chaos at times. But then, while she allows that, she also has these seasons where she encourages the kids to make silence. Make silence. Interesting phrase. As she does this, the kids will go completely quiet. They are to actually work hard at being silent. The, the kids in her class were asked to reflect on this whole practice and, and what they, they thought about those silent moments. And what's so interesting is, is that many of the kids said that as they were silent, they, they felt like they were waiting for something. There was this anticipation in their life. They just kept waiting and just kept waiting. There was a six-year-old girl, and uh, she, she probably said the most profound thing in her reflections on this. Listen to her words. She says, silence reminds me to take my soul with me wherever I go. To take my soul with me wherever I go. Friends, you see, many of us believe that our souls, our emotions, our, the, the mind, emotions, and our will, the, the, it, our soul can only be sustained by the words of God. And I'm not trying to minimize the words of God because God's word is what gets us through. And, and I believe as Christians, we are to, to hear God's voice as much as possible. But if we think that, that only God's words can sustain our soul, we, we miss out what God wants to do in the silent moments. You see, in silence, our souls can be sustained. And, and the reason is, is because it allows, it's in the silence that we allow space for God to speak things that we weren't seeking. You see, when you seek God, when, 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 you, when you go after God, you're expecting a specific kind of response, a yes, no, maybe, uh, some kind of involvement that in your mind you have crafted, this is what it should look like, whether it's good or bad. But in silence, we open up the space for God to speak things that we were never suspecting and that we were never anticipating. And it breathes life into our soul. 
You see, in God's silence, we need to hear his call to live patiently. In silence, we need to hear that God's saying, I want you to draw close. You see, some of you, you haven't heard God's voice maybe ever or, or maybe not for a long time. And, and God is saying, but draw close to me. Don't pull away. Draw close. This is a season to draw close. And in his silence, he may be saying, I want you to anticipate in faith. I want you to believe in me so much because of who I am and what I've done and what I've said, that even in my silence, you can trust me completely. He's communicating, friends. He, he's speaking something that we may not even be paying attention to. Sometimes, like I said at the beginning of the message, the loudest things that are ever said are that which is said through silence. So in silence, live patiently, draw close, and anticipate with faith. I want to pray for you. you maybe you're going through a, a moment of silence or a season of silence and, and you've been faithful and you've been praying and you're frustrated because you think God should, should be speaking. You, you know, you, you feel exactly what David felt in Psalm 13. But today I want to pray that you'll live patiently, that you will draw close to God and that you would anticipate with faith. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much for my friends who are watching, those who are from our, our congregation, those who are from the greater Ottawa area, and even those who are watching from around the world. I'm asking today for those who have been in a season where it seems like God's been silent, where they've prayed, but they feel like there's no traction. They've prayed, but, but God's not, not stepping in. And they feel like David wondering, how much longer will I go through these silent seasons, these seasons where it feels like God is absent? Today in your silence, would you let them hear what you're saying? Would you allow them to live patiently, just being content until they arrive, doing the last thing that you said? I pray that they would, they would draw closer, that they would zoom in and they would allow other things to get out of the picture and Jesus, they'd go after you. And lastly, I pray that they would anticipate with faith, trusting you even when you are silent. So God, be with my friends. Let them not be discouraged. Breathe life into them, I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.